Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good Sunday, Rashini Rajkumar with you along with your host, Dr. David Hilden. And it is one of those favorite times for Healthy Matters fans, and that is Open Lines Sunday. Anything goes, and if you have listened to this show for the last more than a decade, you know that Dr. Hilden does not shy away from any question. Do you, doctor? Good morning, Rashini, and no, I don't. I'll, it doesn't mean I'll, I'll know the answer for everything, but I'll tell you if I don't. Right, and that is... <laughs> I you won't know, lead you astray. I mean, you, we can't expect you to know everything, but we do know you know a lot, and we've come to expect that from you. So the phone lines are open, folks. Phone and text... Same number, 651-989-9226, and we will start taking calls right away and get to these texts. So definitely let us know what's on your mind. I have to ask you something, though, to get us kind of to kick us off here. There's been a lot of talk with, you know, the COVID world we're living in about disease and prevention. But what I have been wondering, and I just, if there if there have been stories, I've missed them, what about our own natural immunities, Dr. Hilden? And how do, how do those play into COVID times? Well, it's a really good question, Rashini, because our bodies are immune to all kinds of things, zillions of things. That's the medical term, zillions <laughs> of things. <laughs> and, and, and it's a whole branch of medical science that's really, really fascinating. And COVID is sort of testing our knowledge of how our immune systems work. But most of the things that we, that, that we are aware of that get us sick, uh, our bodies have seen it before, either in low levels or maybe we were really sick with it in the past. And it's incredible how your body remembers what it has fought in the past. Your immune system is made up of a few things. One is is called your humoral, that's like H-U-M-O-R-A-L, humoral system, which is the blood stuff. Those are the antibodies. So once your body has seen something in the past, you have these antibodies. It makes these little soldiers, if you will, and they stick around essentially forever. They're in your bloodstream forever. And then there's the, the cellular immunity, which are your white blood cells. Those are your T cells, your B cells, your helper cells. Your, there's even a cell called a natural killer cell. Wow. Uh, and yeah, you get, get a load of that one. So there's all these, there's these cells and these antibodies, and they're all just floating around forever. The problem with COVID is that it's a variant of a coronavirus that our bodies have never seen. And so we don't have any of those things floating around, but we have similar ones. We've seen other coronaviruses in our bodies. It's not a new virus. We've been testing for corona 
coronavirus for years at our hospital, but we've not been testing for this strain. It's a new mutated strain. So our bodies do have some immunity to similar viruses, and so possibly uh, it's helpful a little bit. Our bodies are a little bit ready, but for the most part, this one's so brand new to us that it takes our bodies a little time to figure it out. We were caught off guard, if you will. Now we think that probably one in, I don't know, one in five, one in 10, one in 12 Minnesotans has now got some exposure to COVID. Yeah, that's 10%. And they now have antibodies floating around and they have cells floating around. So they're a little bit more immune than the rest of us. Now the just question is how long does all that last? But it's a fascinating thing and it's what we need to get to when 60, 70, 80% of the population has got some immunity. And that will happen in a few years, uh, hopefully a little sooner with a good vaccine. All right, we're getting a lot of texts coming in. I'll remind people of the numbers. We've got about three minutes before I have to take our first break. You can definitely call us or text us, 651-989-9226. You can also tweet us. Dr. Hilden is on Twitter, at Dr. The DR, David Hilden, and I'm on Twitter at Rashini R. So you can also tweet questions to us. Oh my gosh, so many ways to get a hold of us. All right, let's. This is a great one. What is the test called creatin for, and what is it? C R E A T I N. Yeah, it's cre- um, creatinine, I think is what they're after. Right, that's, I think that's I what think they're they going mean for. That. Yeah, they mean um, creatinine. Creatinine is a little um, protein that is made in the muscles of your body. But ironic, it's not ironic, but it's actually used to measure your kidney function. So if you get a standard set of blood tests, it's, um, it's one of the most common tests we get. I order it dozens of times, probably every day. And, and a creatinine simply measures how much of this little muscular protein is floating around your bloodstream. Well, the, the, the smart person would say, well, why does that measure your kidney? Well, it's a good question. Um, um, because creatinine is filtered through your urine. And um, so, so if it's rising in your bloodstream, that means your kidneys are failing to do their job very well. So all of us have a little creatinine in our bloodstream. But if you have too much, it means your kidneys are shutting down. So we just measure. The higher it is, the worse. Normally, it's around 1, 1.0, depending on what lab you use. So if you have a creatinine of 1.5, it's a little high. If it's 4, it's very high. And if it's 10, you're on dialysis. So And important it, to remember a family history, too. Uh, if, you're, if you have parents or other relatives, uh, watching that number is also really important. Super important. Kidney disease, there are, there are all kinds of hereditary kidney diseases. The number one kidney d- disease in our country is from diabetes. Probably number two is high blood pressure. And if you have the one-two punch of diabetes and high blood pressure, that, that leads, that's a, a relatively high risk for kidney disease. So if you are getting a creatinine on your blood test, that's what it's for. All right, Dr. Hilden, we've got about 90 seconds. We've got a bunch of calls and texts, so I want to at least get one call in before the break. Wayne is calling from Lino Lakes. Hi there, Wayne. Good morning. Good morning. Go right ahead. Uh, I have a, uh, have excessive earwax, and I was wondering what the safest way is to remove it. Okay, I can tell you what the what I want everyone to hear. Don't ever put a Q-tip or a cotton swab in your ear. 
The, the best thing to do is nothing, but if it is um, really bothering your hearing, you can squirt it out with warmish water, not hot and not cold. Cold will hurt. They'll both hurt. <laughs> warmish water. But your best idea is to go to a clinic and have them rinse it out for you. You can buy those earwax softening drops at the store. They're relatively effective. That's an okay thing to try as well. Put a few of those drops in your ear, a little work in, and hopefully that'll come out. But um, if it's not causing a, a drop in your hearing, you don't have to do anything. Earwax is normal, and some of us just have more than others. I literally had a person, just a quick story. I know we have a break, but I had a, somebody cleaning their ears in the shower, slipped in the shower, and the cotton swab went right through their eardrum. Oh, um, no. Oh, I know. It's a gruesome thing to think of on a Sunday morning, but it is... Don't don't put any cotton swabs in your ear ever. All you're ever going to do is push the earwax in further. So the old saying sticks. Don't ever put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that that was <laughs> a like saying. To, it I is a saying. I'd like to see you get your elbow in your ear, everybody. Try All it right, right now. <laughs> if we have time, we have to return to cotton swabs later in the hour. I have a bit of a confessional. Tons of texts coming in, and we have calls waiting. I always say the callers get preference. So if you have a pressing question, call 651-989-9226. Healthy Matters returns after this. Rashini Rajkumar with you. We are back with Healthy Matters, sponsored by Hennepin Healthcare. And your host, Dr. David Hilden, is taking phone calls. It's open line Sunday. I'd like to say the doctor is in, and he is ready to answer all your questions. We've got a lot of calls coming in. Callers get preference today. We'll get to as many texts as we can. 651-989-9226. Linda is on the line from Buffalo. Thanks for calling, Linda. We think she's on the line. Linda, are you yes, there? Help. Yes. Yes, go um, ahead. I've had, I've had some uh, four hernias operations, and, and so I am have another hernia, a small one, and they keep putting a mesh in and bigger. And um, What does doctor think about this, this mesh? Thanks for your call, Linda. So a hernia, for those um, listening, is is whenever one body part pushes through another one. So the main one that we're thinking of is in the belly. It can be around your belly button. It can be down in your groin area. Both men and women can get them. Uh, there are other hernias as well. Um, you can have them inside your body where your stomach herniates through your diaphragm and into your chest. Or, or your, you can have them in your skull where bits of your, neuro, your spinal cord can herniate through your skull. So it's whenever a portion of your body pushes through into another. So uh, the hernia in the belly wall is what we're talking about here. And what it is is there's just a little defect in your abdominal wall. The abdominal muscles and the connective tissues get stretched or pulled, and there's a little defect, and therefore your your abdominal contents, which is basically your intestines, can push through in a little bulge. The vast majority of people can just push it back in, and it's no big deal. And um, but for some, it it they can be recurrent. They can get big. The bulge can get unsightly, or in rare, not rare, but not terribly common cases, it can be dangerous because your intestines get squeezed and pinched off and lose their blood supply. So Linda, your question is about should you get it fixed and, and, and about the mesh. The mesh literally looks like window screen, but I'm going to take a bet and say it costs a lot more because it's, they don't go down to your basic hardware store to get it. You know, this is um, titanium or stainless steel or nylon mesh. I think it's nylon actually. And it is permanently sewn over the hole. It's like patching a window screen. 
and it works quite well in the vast majority of people. And so I, I think it's a good thing to do if you're having recurrent hernias because it will, it'll, it'll fix things more, more durably. Now, Linda, you've had several, so I, it would be out of line for me to suggest why are you getting these so much? I, I, I think go back to your surgeon and just uh, um, uh, ask him, why am I getting these? Is there anything I can do to fix these permanently? But the general question about the mesh is that it's very commonly used for a very common surgery, and, and I think you can feel okay about it. All right, Ron is on the line. Hi, Ron, calling in from Big Lake. Yes, good morning. My go current ahead. question Yes, good morning. Hello? Yes, good morning. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Say, um, there's been several news broadcasts about the uh, diabetic drug metformin that uh, could be a causer cancing, uh, have ca- cancer causing effects. And I would like Dr. Hilden's opinion what he thinks of that uh, situation. Thanks for your call, Ron. So metformin might be might be in the top three medications I prescribe the most, certainly top five. It is an exceptionally commonly used medication for diabetes, and it is the one with the most scientific evidence that it works. So it is the first line, the first thing we do for people who are living with type 2 diabetes, not type 1. That's a key distinction. This thing about the cancer-causing thing, that is a just, I, I don't know, frankly, I don't put any stake in that. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't something we don't know. I'd be lying if I didn't say we, or if I said we know everything about medications. But what we do know about metformin is that it's written tens, hundreds of millions of times prescriptions are written for it. The long-term effects on on lifespan and complications from diabetes are overwhelming. So that is a medication I'd feel extremely uh, good about taking. There might be some little study that somebody found, some little observational thing that that they're making conclusions that we can't uh, support yet. Doesn't mean we won't know something more down the road, but if there was ever a medication I would recommend, it is the metformin. All right, here's a question that I'm guessing you get often. This listener says, what is the difference between Parkinson's and Alzheimer's? Yeah, Parkinson's is a, is a neuromuscular disorder with a lot of other complications. When I say neuromuscular, your nervous system uh, that controls your, your muscles, your movements is out of whack. Um, largely thought to be due to dopamine um, problems and some other things in your brain. And so people with Parkinson's, they walk with a shuffly gait. Their facial muscles don't work right, so they always look kind of flat in their face. They have a tremor in their hands that's very slow. It's a slow resting tremor. And they indeed sometimes get neurologic problems in the brain itself leading to some dementia. So it's a constellation of neuromuscular symptoms that is progressive over many years. Alzheimer's is exclusively a cognitive problem. It is dementia. It's the most common cause of dementia. People with Alzheimer's don't have all those other things. But what they do have is a primary loss of your cognitive faculties, usually starting out with things like memory loss. starts mild, then it gets worse. And in the late stages of Alzheimer's, you can have things that resemble uh, uh, depression and resemble uh, other, like Parkinson type of things, but they are very different. One's a movement disorder 
and the other is exclusively a, a cognitive disorder. They are both progressive over years, and they both can lead to lots of complications, in, especially in older adults, although um, especially Parkinson's can be in younger people too, but, it's, but generally in older adults. All right, Dr. Hilden, we've got about a minute, so I'm going to have James from La Crosse hold through the break because I want to give him time to ask his question. But before we go to break, let's take this question as quickly as you're able. Barb from Chanhassen texts this in. I know I suffer from SAD. What type of doctor would I see or can I just buy myself a light therapy lamp and wear? So SAD is seasonal affective disorder, a common um, mood, a depression of mood when mostly in the, the gray, cold, dark season, which in Minnesota is about starting now. Um, those, those lights actually work to some degree, so you might try those lights. But also, um, I would go to your primary care provider, whether that's a doctor or whoever else you might see. They can start and, ta- and talk to you about some of the treatments, both medications and non-medications. And if that doesn't work, I encourage you to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes, there are some medications and indeed the lights. So you can do some things on your own, see your primary provider, and if it's getting real bad, I do encourage you to see a mental health professional, including a psychologist. All right, great response there. I'm sure that answer can help a lot of people. And we'll also get into some other questions around this season change. And we've got time change coming up next weekend. You are listening to Healthy Matters. Rashini Rajkumar with you, along with your host, Dr. David Hilden. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, phone calls, texts are all open to you on this open line Sunday, 651 989 9226. We are back on Healthy Matters, sponsored by Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. David Hilden is your host, Rashini Rajkumar, in the co-pilot seat with him. It's so great to be with you on Sunday mornings, Dr. Hilden, and uh, especially on these open line Sundays because I learn so much, and I know our listeners do too. Phone and text lines are open, 651-989-9226. We will take uh, preference for phone calls today, and we'll get to as many of the texts as we can. James, thank you for calling from Lacrosse and waiting so patiently. What is your question for the doctor? Hi, thanks for taking my call. A uh, 61-year-old man that has had for about started two to three weeks ago some ringing in my ears, and it's actually gotten slightly worse in the last uh, week. So just uh, checking to see what potential causes uh, would be doing that. It's basically all day long. Uh, obviously, I don't. Um, when I go to sleep, um, I don't notice it then, but basically it's been happening all day long recently. Thank you. Both ears, James, before you go, is it in both ears? And um, that's my first question. Second one, uh, any new medications that you're on? Uh, in both ears and just on uh, cholesterol medication, and, uh, but now no new medications. It's a great question. What you have is called tinnitus, and tinnitus is any ringing in your ears. It can be anything. It can be a buzzing of uh, uh it can be a roaring. It can be an ocean wave sign. It can be buzzing. Anything. Any ringing, weird. It's your the nerves of your ears are playing tricks on your brain. The reason I ask those two questions that if it's only in one side, go get seen because then it could be something like a tumor or a vascular problem. If it's like a pulsing in one side, like it literally you can feel your pulse in your ear, that's not a good thing, and you should have that seen pretty quickly. The other question is any new medications because 
a lot of the problems of the inner ears are our fault, meaning you're, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but it's your doctor, whatever your doctor did um, in the medications. Some medications do this. Um, uh, aspirin does it um, in some people. So too much aspirin can do it, just as an example. So if it isn't one of those two things, and it's both sides, then um, it, it could be your run-of-the-mill garden variety tinnitus that you're just starting to notice more. But the reason, James, I think you ought to be seen is that it's new. You said it's for a few weeks. I know a lot of people have ringing in their ears. It's often at night because that's when you can, that's just when you notice it because you're lying there quietly in bed. And, but you notice it during the day over the last few weeks. That seems relatively new. So I would go see an audiologist. That's your first step. They do all kinds of tests for this, and they're really good. We have great audiologists at Hennepin Healthcare. I've had a lot of them on the show in the past. They're always popular ear shows. And um, I would see an audiologist and have them get to the bottom of it. It doesn't sound like an emergency, but it's something I would, I would have looked at. All right, lots of questions coming in about COVID, so we will get to uh, as many as we can. Once again, the phone and text line 651-989-9226 to ask your question, any question of Dr. Hilden today on the Open Line Show. This person says, uh, and it's Pastor Jake, uh, he's a faithful listener. So now that the weather is getting colder, the days are getting shorter, it's easier to get depressed, especially in this COVID era. Do you have any suggestions for us to be reasonably happy and sane. Wow, that's a great that's a great question, and it's something I personally struggle with. Um, uh, somebody made a joke. I think it was my own kid. It's like this is sort of an introvert's dream and an extrovert's nightmare, and I'm in the latter. Um, the, you know, uh, being all cooped up. Um, similar to the early question about seasonal affective disorder, which is a real thing that affects people every single year, we're sort of getting uh, a taste of what isolation can do to people. And um, the social isolation is not a healthy thing. I think there's almost nobody who thinks that it's a good good thing. Um, and so whatever you can do to stay connected, I think is a good idea. And I'm speaking a little bit more just as a person here, because as a physician, I don't have a ton of expertise in this. But I think social connection is so important. So reach out to people, find ways to connect to people, Find ways to do things that you enjoy. I think some basics are, are important. Minimize alcohol. Uh, eat healthy. Exercise when you can. Get good sleep. Those basic things, I think, are helpful. And then try to find ways to become less isolated. I do recommend um, a, a book and the expertise of the former Surgeon General of the U.S., Dr. Vivek Murthy. I have heard him speak on a couple of occasions, and I'm inspired every time I do. And he calls loneliness a national problem. And so I encourage you to look up Dr. Vivek Murthy, M-U-R-T-H-Y, and learn a little bit more about the importance of social connection. Yeah, it's so true. And hopefully people, if, you know, it's it's okay to call up a friend and say, hey, I need to talk or I need to do a Zoom or go for a walk outside. I mean, things like this, uh, so important. All right, Jack is on the line from Jenkins. Hi there, Jack. Good morning. I'm calling in for my sister-in-law, who's a little bit shy, but she woke up about a week ago, and she has a lot of trouble in the morning closing her hand. It's like it's kind of stuck until she warms, runs some warm water over them, and then she can slowly get her hand closed to a fist. What could that be causing or leading something with that? 
Thanks for your call, Jack, and for your sister-in-law. It's a great question. You have, I think you wrote, that is what the textbooks in medical school talk talk about as morning stiffness. When your hands particularly are in the morning, but anytime you've been inactive, they're stiff, and it takes a little working out the stiffness. Warm water people often use making a fist and opening your fingers back and forth. Um, These are generally, not always, but generally due to inflammatory arthritis problems, of which rheumatoid arthritis is the most common one, but there's several others, lupus and several others. Um, I could be completely off base, and it's none of the above, but these sound like the stiff hands of some of the inflammatory rheumatoid conditions. Uh, They are relatively common. Uh, They are diagnosed clinically. There's no blood test you have to have, but you do need to go see somebody to have them take a look at it and get a good history. Rheumatoid arthritis is usually in the smaller joints. In other words, not usually your knees and hips, but most, most like usually your hands and even more specifically, the knuckles that are closer into your wrist and not the ones that are down by your fingernails. That's more typically rheumatoid arthritis. So if you're having any kind of Hand problems that get better when you work it out. That's more inflammatory. That's the opposite of osteoarthritis, where motion makes it worse. So I'd have her see her either a primary doctor or go to a rheumatologist and see if she doesn't maybe have one of those rheumatoid conditions. And of course, I could be completely wrong, but that's the most likely thing, I think. All right, Dr. Hilden, the next couple of questions coming in on the text screen could apply to athletes of any age as well as just others. I think there's just such good questions. The first one, what can be done for leg cramps at night? I already drink tonic water water with quinine in it. Yeah, quinine is an old drug that used to be used for malaria, not so much anymore, but it also happens to be in tonic water. Um, And a lot of people find that to be helpful. I have to admit, 20 years ago, when I was just starting practicing, I used to prescribe quinine. We don't do that anymore. It's considered bad practice. But but it's such a common problem that it kind of worked, so we did it. But it's got its downside, so I wouldn't overdo your quinine. On this show over the last dozen years, I'm going to guess half a dozen times people have suggested mustard, believe it or not. And so I'm going to say that one without any medical science behind it whatsoever, but it doesn't sound like it's going to hurt. So some people swear by mustard. I don't have any idea why. But the the more medical science aspect of this is you should find out what's causing your muscle cramps. Is it a vitamin deficiency? Is it a vitamin B deficiency? B as in boy. Um, that can cause that. It can be due to anemia. So make sure you're not iron deficient or have other anemias. It can be due to uh, um, some of those kinds of deficiencies. It can be due to um, potassium problems, calcium problems, vitamin D problems. So have all of those looked at with some basic blood tests and find out if there's something that's reversible. And if not, exercise, stretching, acupuncture, yoga, all of those things are good ideas. All right. Now this one is um, going to, uh, we'll see how my pronunciation is. So thanks, listener, for these big $20 medical words. This person says, I'm having a fluoroscopy-guided glenohumeral joint injection for my shoulder. Is it safe and what can I expect? In six weeks, I'll get a subacromal injection. What about that one? Thanks. 
Strong work, Rashini. That oh, was good. I tried, Doc. <laughs> yes, you, I think you kind of got those. Um, <laughs> so <they're>, fluoroscopy, <laughs> I think you got them. Um, fluoroscopy is simply x-ray guided. So that one's, and then, and then you said glenohumeral. Your glenohumeral joint is the big ball joint of your shoulder. Your humerus is your big bone of your upper arm. And your glenoid fossa is part of your shoulder joint. So your glenohumeral joint is a shoulder injection to um, uh, when you're having pain, limited range of motion, things like that. The, uh, the subacromial, the acromium is that little bone that sticks out under your collarbone to the front. Again, it's part of your shoulder joint. Again, these are all shoulder joint problems. Your shoulder really has several joints. We've named two of them, the subacromial one and the glenohumeral one. And the other ones where your breastbone hits your collarbone, those are all part of your shoulder and they can inject things to make them move a little better. Um, see a physical therapist, see an orthopedic surgeon, and they can help you out with those. Those are considered quite safe procedures. You can't get them endlessly. You can have a few of them a year, but they can cause quite a bit of relief. So that's a, that's a decent thing to try. All right. There are several different kinds of COVID questions coming in. Let's take this one. What can you tell us about COVID rash? I was dealing with poison ivy in mid to late September. And when new spots continued weeks after my exposure, we did some research and learned about COVID rash. I tested positive for COVID in late August. So I'm guessing this is another side effect of the virus. I think it is. Um, uh, I haven't seen much of this or any, but, you know, and I've seen maybe, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 patients with COVID personally. And uh, I don't, I haven't seen it, but it is described by others as a problem. And so it's not the most common problem of COVID, but if you do have an ongoing rash that's new for you, it could well be due to this. I was going to say, I'll send you to the COVID rash experts, but I'm going to tell you right now, there isn't one on planet Earth that I'm aware of because it's not all that common and we're all just learning. So do go see a dermatologist, though, because they are the skin experts and, uh, and they would be at least able to tell you if it's something else or something you should be worried about, or if they look at you and say, yeah, this looks a little bit bizarre to me, too. Maybe it is due to the COVID. We're just not sure yet. It doesn't appear to be dangerous, but do go have a skin expert take a look at it. All right. Other rash questions are here, which we need to get through the break, and we'll get back to those, I promise, listeners. The number is 651-989-9226. Call us, text us, get your questions in for the last segment of Healthy Matters with Dr. David Hilden. Dr. David Hilden and Rashini Rajkumar back with you on this Sunday's edition of Open Lines on our Healthy Matters show presented by Hennepin Healthcare. All right, very few minutes left to get in your questions, folks. 651-989-9226. Calls will be preferred, given preference over text, but we have a lot of texts. And uh, as I promised, Dr. Hilden, more questions about rashes. This person says, I've been getting a rash on my face from wearing my mask, went to a pharmacy he said they're calling it maskne. Any suggestions? Yeah, I have heard that term, and it's a real thing because it's it's wet and it doesn't get the sunlight and the air, and people are getting it on the bridge of their nose and around right in front of their ears. I did have a dermatologist. I asked a dermatologist that said that, and 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 she answered those questions because they're seeing it all the time. Keep your face clean, wash it off. You don't want to dry out your face too much, but keep your face, you know, use, use your whatever your favorite facial cleanser is. 
And then there are some products that your dermatologist that can prescribe if it's really bad. Um, but uh, I don't have a good, easy answer other than some benzoyl peroxide things will work like they do for any other kind of acne, but they can dry out your skin. So uh, it's a balance between over drying your skin and clearing it up. So I'd see your dermatologist for that one. Right. And also remember to moisturize. I mean, that's so important, yes. especially at night. Okay. Yes. Josie is calling from Brainerd. Josie, thanks for calling. Good morning. Um, I'm calling for a family member. He's 77 years old and has pretty good health, but couldn't catch his breath, and it just continued to get worse. He went to the emergency room, and he was told he had blood clots on his lungs. What what could cause that? They just gave him a blood thinner and sent him home and said, see how this goes. Yeah, thanks for your call, Josie. So those are called pulmonary emboli. Pulmonary lung emboli is a blood clot that came from somewhere else. It usually comes from your legs. Uh, the veins in your, your veins hold a lot of your blood that isn't moving very well. Think of your arteries as a rushing river. Your veins are a lazy stream. And in your legs, you have gravity it has to work against. So the blood pools in your feet and your legs, especially in older adults. Well, that pooled blood gets more stagnant, and stagnant blood becomes a clot. And so the clots form in your legs, and they can break off, and they go up. They work their lazily way. They work their way up to your heart where they enter the right side of your heart, and on the very next heartbeat, it shoots like a rocket into your lungs. So if they're little bitty ones, you can be a little bit short of breath, and they'll just give you a blood thinner and send you home. If they're bigger one, they're, they can range all the way to life-threatening. So a pulmonary embolus, a blood clot in your lungs, is nothing to uh, take lightly. So um, you, he does need to be on blood thinners. That's a given. Um, but uh, make sure that any worsening shortness of breath, it usually comes on suddenly. Um, he goes into the emergency department. This isn't something to sit on. You should seek, uh, he should seek care immediately if it gets worse. Okay, Dr. Hilden, we've got about two minutes left, so we're going to do a fire round, try to get through as many texts to answer these listener questions because there are so many good ones. This person says, is there a downside to drinking all of these carbonated waters? They have no salt, sugar, calories, etc." I don't think so, except burping. You know, I, you know <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I think they're mostly just water. Anything that's just water, I'm okay with. All right. Use daylight bulbs 5,000K for sad. That is what mood lights are. So another kind of sad-related question or comment. Yeah, that makes some sense. Any, any, any light. The best thing is to get a little bit of sunlight and get outside. But these lights, that are, there are simply bright lights. That's what they are. What is a resting normal blood pressure? Does taking lorsetan and hydrazaline keep it uh, in safe doses keep it down? Yes, those are two exceptionally good blood pressure medicine. One's a water pill, um, and the, uh, the losartan is another one that works at a different place in your, uh, um, in your body, and they're both really effective. We'd like to see everybody's blood pressure 120 over 70. 140 over 90 is the upper limit of what it ought to be, though. My husband has kidney disease, is supposed to drink a lot of water. He drinks these carbonated waters instead of plain water. Downside of consumption? Question no. mark. Okay. I so, don't think so. I think that we're okay with those. Uh, the carbonated part isn't here nor there. I don't think it's only if you enjoy that part. Okay. All right. Well, that's the last question that we have time to get to. And for those of you, probably 10 to 15 that we didn't get to, a reminder that phone calls on Healthy Matters will always 
give get a little preference only because we can hear your voice he can ask follow-up questions and dr david hilden wants to give you as thorough answers as possible coming up next week mammography that is the topic so this applies to men and women loved ones you know i think we think doctor that this is a female topic but definitely can apply family members are interested so Join us next Sunday. Dr. David Hilden and I will be back for Healthy Matters presented by Hennepin Healthcare. Any quick final thoughts before we have to say goodbye? Yeah, I'm looking forward to our discussion next week with Dr. Gretchen Butler. She is a radiologist. Um, and then Leah Hahn, who is one of our most expert um, people in mammography and breast cancer. So all of your questions will be answered then. Be sure to check us out at myhealthymatters.org. That's my blog site. Uh, and you can read up on on show-related things there. I hope everybody has a great week. All right, Rashini and the Doc, back next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.